nervous. I'm already anxious. I brought that with me. Uh, but it also goes to show you that no matter uh, what you may be dealing with, and we all have something, uh, that the Lord, uh, his, his grace is sufficient for you, especially days when you feel like there is no grace, there is no God, and I don't know why I'm here, but I'll just go through the motions and maybe that'll get me into heaven. God is so on to you. Uh, Jesus says that he knows the numbers of hairs on your head, and for some of us, he knows the hair follicles on your head. Uh, <laughs> so I bring you greetings from Covenant Theological Seminary, uh, South City Church in St. Louis, and from the city of uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Let me read the text and uh, pray for you. It says, on that day, this is Mark 4, 35 through 41, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're dying up here? Do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. There was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Amen, because that's on the paper. I'm like, God, if they don't. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm so used to doing things my own way because, you know, as a senior pastor, I preach a lot, but now I'm starting to travel a little bit and I get to churches and it's like I got my sermon together, but then they say, no, this is the playbook for us. I'm like, okay. <laughs> starting to feel like Jerry Jones gave me something. I know I'm not going to do it. Oh, my God, it's the Dallas Cowboys playbook. Uh, but it's all about the glory of Jesus. You know what? I'm your brother. And I've never been in this church before. But you know what? I know exactly what you need. I guarantee you. I mean, I've never been here. I met some of the men yesterday at the breakfast. But brothers and sisters, I know exactly what you need. Because I need it too. I'm an expert at knowing what I don't want to hear and what I need to hear. I came to Covenant Seminary in 1992. I came to Covenant Seminary because I was an ordained Church of God in Christ pastor. That is a, a black Pentecostal movement. And I was happy there. I mean, I just... I had resigned uh, my artillery commission, and I started hanging around with Army chaplains, and they said, you know what, you need to uh, 
you're ordained, but you should go to seminary, you know, and come back in as an Army chaplain because the Army had a, had a requirement of at least 72 hours of graduate study in theology before you could become a chaplain. So I said, okay, I'll, uh, I'll go to seminary. All righty, how do you find a seminary? Now, I'm black Pentecostal, right? So, I mean, in my church, I, I'm, I'm the one with the tambourines and saying, turn them drums up a little bit. Uh, so I go back to St. Louis, and I'm going through the yellow pages, you know. First seminary I call, they say, well, how long have you been Catholic? I'm like, okay, wrong number. Uh, <laughs> Next seminary I called, they said, well, how long have you been Lutheran? I just hung up. I'm like, okay. So I saw Covenant Theological Seminary. I said, okay, these folks might be Jewish people, you know. But I'll call them, you know. So I called them, and they said, hey, come on out and stuff like that. And so uh, my wife and I, Renee, we went out to Covenant Seminary, and we saw we really liked it. And I enrolled in Covenant, and I was working on my MDiv. And did I already say the only reason I wanted to go to Covenant Seminary, I, I, I just wanted them div. I just wanted to go to a school that was a, a, a Bible-believing school that I felt like these folk really love Jesus. Uh, so I went to Covenant Seminary. I was there for like, I don't know, a month, and somebody said, well, how do you like Covenant? I said, well, I just got two questions. I said, like, where's all the black people at? And that was my, that was my first question. I said that kind of under my breath. Uh, and the second question was, who is John Calvin? <laughs> they were like, John Calvin. You know, John, I said, well, if you say it louder and slower, maybe I'll, uh, no, I got nothing, you know. Which kind of shows you that you can actually be in the body of Christ and not know the same people. You can ask, and, and there's folk who don't know a lot about the same type of Christian history and don't have the same theologies, and they're sitting right in the body of Christ with us. So I, uh, I'm Church of God in Christ. I'm at Covenant Seminary, and this, is, this all is, is, is still about this boat ride that Jesus has invited his disciples on. I've been on that boat. It ain't, it's not a pleasure cruise. It's not. <laughs> And when Jesus says, hey, let's get in the boat, I'm like, well, y'all go ahead, I'll, I'll walk around. Uh, so, so anyway, uh, I met Covenant, and, uh, and there's a guy named Jerem Bars. He's a British guy, I think he was Francis Schaeffer's cook or something. So, so, you know, I'm almost about to graduate from Covenant, getting my MDiv, you know. And Jerem invites me to go to lunch at this place. Uh, it, it's a... Uh, it's a French restaurant uh, in West County, St. Louis. So we go to the restaurant, and he says, have you ever had any Merlot? And I was like, well, I don't know if I know what Merlot is. Because he said, well, it's a wine. You know, I'm Pentecostal. I'm like, you know. So he said, well, just try a little Merlot, you know. So I got a big glass of Merlot, and I kind of liked the Merlot. And, uh, you know, and I just tell people, they say, well, how would you get to the PCA? I'm like, well... I drank a big glass of Merlot on an empty stomach. Next thing you know, I was in front of the Tennessee Valley Presbyterian. Yes. <laughs> Where all these white men come from? So, uh, yeah, you know. Uh, sometimes, you know, here Jesus has basically been expounding parables all day. I mean, he's not only probably preached three or four times, 
He's expounding parables. Then he's sitting his disciples down and says, I'm going to tell you all exactly what this means. Because you guys are, you know, the disciples. Because he didn't call them that. You guys are the disciples. So I'm going to tell you about the parable of the sower. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to drill down. And, you're gonna, and they say, yeah, we got it. Oh, yeah, we got it. You know, we know people that when the word comes forth, they just like a piece of steel. It just bounces off of them. I mean, we know people like that, Jesus. When the word, and, and, and they was, you know, they, Jesus was expounding. But you know what happens when you hear some good scripture and you say, I got that? Because I, I love the word of God. No, maybe you, you like the word of God. Because when you say the word of God, you do like this. I love the word. Because you're passionate about Jesus, the word. You don't just go to church, you go to church. <laughs> so Jesus has done his exposition. And, you know, I taught homiletics this summer. So, yeah. So the next thing after exposition is illustration. So they're full of the word of God. They've been sitting in the Jesus class all day listening to these parables. And Jesus is tired. I mean, you know, because Jesus is God, but Jesus is human. Because if he ain't human, this is really just pretty futile that we're doing right now. Jesus is human. So he, as my grandmother would say, he was woed out. So he got, he said, hey, let's kind of get away from the crowd a little bit. Gets into the boat, goes into the stern, goes to sleep, and uh, he goes to sleep, and he's really asleep. But the, the, the creation, the elements have an illustration of what it means to really understand what faith is like. So Jesus is asleep, and I would say, I want to let you brothers and sisters know that, that, that God knows what you're going through. Even though it may appear like he's sleeping on the job. I mean, Jesus was asleep. I mean, he did invite you on this cruise. Everything was fine. The weather was good. Not only does he know what you're going through, but he cares about what you're going through. Because if he knew and didn't care, you would just rather that he just didn't know. Because some people know what's going on in your life, but they don't care, you know. And there are people who care about what's going on in your life, but you think they don't. These disciples, at least six or seven of them, are pros on water. They make their living on water. These are not just folk. Now, if Ron McNally put me out on his boat on that Lake Granberry, look, I'd be toting that barge and lifting that bale. Look, I'd be, all I could, I wouldn't know what to do. If he fell asleep on that boat, and I said, Ron, you got to wake up because, you know, I'd be screaming for Vicky. Vicky, Vicky, come get us off. I would, these folk, they knew what they were doing. But sometimes, no matter how great you are at what you do, how wonderful your vision statement is, your five-year plan, how much money you got in the bank, whatever status you have, there's something about the present, and you realize that the past cannot save me, 
and I cannot control the future. There's something about having faith in Christ right now. And a storm rose up, and some commentators said the storm was like, it was like, this is not just a storm. This is demonic. Something is really, really wrong. They're out on the Sea of Galilee, and it's like, man, this is, this is just getting crazy. And does God know what's going on? Does he even care? So they wake up Jesus, and I mean, it was not one of those prayers. That, I mean, they probably just was, was, was Jesus. Come on, dog. What are you doing? Man, we're soaking wet up here. The, 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 we're, we're drowning. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, this was real prayer. This is not a prayer class. This was actual prayer. There's probably some language in the prayer. These guys are Galileans. Come on, y'all. Jesus gets up, and I can picture him fighting sleep and trying to get up there, and the boat is tipping and stuff like that. And we like to say, well, he just got up, just walked out there and said, peace. If they were really in a storm, don't you know Jesus was in the storm with them? Jesus didn't come to earth, become a human, and get a Teflon coating or uh, go to, uh, uh, yeah. Jesus wasn't a superhero. Jesus gets out on the boat, and because he is the human being that Adam was supposed to be, who had dominion over the creation, Jesus said, peace. And I, when I was growing up, there was a little cartoon that the man was riding the horse, and the horse wouldn't stop, and the, 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 the horse flipped the guy off, and the guy hit the horse in the head and said, when I say whoa, I mean whoa. When Jesus said peace, he meant peace. He rebuked the wind. How do you, how does a human being rebuke wind? It depends on which human being is talking to it. Brothers and sisters, who Jesus shows us in this text. He's letting us know what it's going to be like. Then something happened. Because he shows us that God not only knows, but God cares, but that God is able. There is a great calm. Because what they were going through, some commentators said it was like trauma. And some people in this room right now have had trauma. As a soldier, I understand post-traumatic stress, but you don't have to be military to have it. But that storm for them, for some of you, the storm is not about being wet and being on a boat. It's just about getting up in the morning and saying, okay, how do I survive this boat ride today? Because you got trauma. Don't you know Jesus knows trauma? Don't you know he knows storm? The, the prophet Isaiah said that he was a man of sorrows. 
grief was one of his best friends. And yet and still, for you and me, he has entered into this storm of sin and crazy to lead us out of it. And he rebukes the wind on that boat. And there was something that each and every one of us need. That is a great calm. I hope you believe that Jesus can just stop it all. And say, no, don't think about next, next hour. Don't, don't, don't think about next minute. Forget about the last... Just, that was a great calm. And I could just see the disciples with their mouths hanging open. And they said, uh, it was like a hair-raising, redemptive fear that came over them. And they said, who is this? I pray that you will have days when you just say, man, I've been worshiping Jesus for 550 years, but who is this? My goodness. I, I pray that our teenagers will say, mom, dad, grandma, whoever is raising you, uh, your, your sister's cousin, them, whoever's raising you, I pray that, that Jesus will put you in a situation where the calm is so great that you totally forgot about the storm. You forgot about the trauma. It may not last forever, but bam, the disciples, who is this? Who is it that can speak to the wind and the rain in your life right now? That's Jesus. He knows, he cares, he's able, and he's willing. How do we know he's willing? Romans 5, 6, uh, Romans 5, 6 through 10 says, for a while we were still weak. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. We might consider dying for folk that we like. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, while we're still sinning, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now, while we are reconciled, we'll be saved by his life. Jesus, he taught all day. He illustrated what faith really means on that trip across the Galilean Sea. And how do, does he want them to apply that? You know, because that's the sermon, you know, exposition, illustration, application. How does he want them to apply that? Well, the next chapter says that when they got through the storm, they landed at a place called the Gadarenes. And there was a man over there who was full of demons. He was breaking chains. Death was his culture because he lived in the tombs. Don't you know here in Fort Worth, Dallas, 
St. Louis, in every other place that is on the Google Maps, there's something going on where people are in a death culture. They're living in tombs that they think are houses, but they have no hope in their hearts. Their children don't believe they're going to reach the age of 30. They think that prison is where they should live. They think that nobody cares about the poverty that they deal with or the, the PTSD that they have. And, and we know sin is no respecter of persons. You don't have to be poor, rich, middle class. It'll find you. Storms have a way of finding us. But what Jesus is saying is the storm you may be in, there's a destination to this cruise. Those disciples had to get out of that boat with Jesus and help him deal with the crazy place. Maybe you're in that crazy place with somebody. Maybe you're on your way to that crazy place, or maybe you just ain't got in the boat yet. But there's only three types of people. There's people who are wet, people who are getting ready to get wet, and there are folk who are drying off, getting ready to get wet. <laughs> when I became a chaplain, when they promoted me from lieutenant colonel to colonel, even though they gave me rank and a little bit more pay, one of the guys gave me a, he said, man, I'm giving you a beach towel. I'm like, a beach towel? He said, yeah, because when we promote a chaplain, it just means you can wash more feet. We're just giving you a bigger towel. Even though I was promoted, I understood that my job was not to do what line officers do. You know, I'm the chaplain at Covenant Seminary now. And now my job is to try to towel off the profs' feet when they get too tired or the students or the faculty. It's just a big beach towel. You throw it over your shoulder. You know, you just wash people's feet. Sister wanted to wash up the men's feet yesterday. Um, I'll say this and then I'll stop. Yeah, maybe they just were getting off the boat with some big towels trying to wash that man's feet. Jesus calls him out of a death culture breaks the chains, casts the demons out. And the man in chapter 5 wanted to go with Jesus, and Jesus said, no, I'm going to give you a towel. You go wash feet in your own culture. When I, when I went to Covenant Seminary, I did not really understand that my identity did not come from the military uh, or come from money or come from cars, uh, come from many things that I thought it would make me not just a man, but an American. I joined the military to be an American. Because when I grew up, I was where I grew up, I was like an African-American male. This is North St. Louis is going down. So I wanted to be an American, so I joined the US military but I resigned my commission, as I said, after 10 years. Went to Covenant Seminary. And you know what? And I got the Covenant. Do you know not one of those 
students or faculty saluted me when I walked into a class? Do you know nobody yelled at ease when I walked in? You know, I'm like, I've had two commands. When I come into a room, people yell at ease because I might have something to say. One day, I was at Covenant, I was having a rough day, you know, I had Tourette syndrome, the ticks were kind of loud, I felt like, okay, Lord, what is the purpose of having me go to seminary when you would not deliver me from an affliction, and I got to stand up in front of people, and sometimes the ticks get so bad, I'm just jerking myself to death. What is the purpose of this? And I went into the prayer room at Covenant Seminary, and I saw this scripture. And I say this, and this will be the end, because maybe you need to know, if you're on this boat ride, is Jesus really here? It was Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Some of you already know what I'm going to say. It said, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. I read that and I cried like I've never cried before. And maybe it's the Pentecostal in me, but I felt like the Holy Spirit came up and put his hand on me and said, I'm with you. And maybe that's all you need today is to, is to know that Jesus is in the boat with you. And there's a purpose to this cruise that you're on. He's building your faith because when you get to the other side of the lake, you don't know what you're stepping onto, but the crazy that you may be stepping into, those people need Jesus and they need you on that side of the lake. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, thank you for your word. I pray that you would help my brothers and sisters to represent you well, that they first know that you died for them, that they are secure in your arms. There's so many people who may not know that, and I pray that their faith will take them to the other side of the lake well, they will know that there is a peace of God that is bigger than the noise of the world, the media, Twitter, Facebook. There is just a calmness that they need in their hearts so that they can keep on going in this church. Bless this new pastor that's coming. May he have calmness of spirit and be a shepherd and love them so that they may love others. In Jesus' name, amen.